Hi, this is Stephen Piercy from RAT. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Wednesday 13, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Sebastian Bach, and you've got a tune to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. All right, Pittsburgh! You wanted the best! You got the best! Hello and welcome to episode 289 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 289, we have someone uh, I look forward to getting on the show for a very long time. We have Michael Monroe. Uh, Michael, you may remember, was the vocalist and still technically is the vocalist of Hanoi Rocks, uh, a great band to come out of Finland in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, really a precursor to uh, the glam movement that we saw in the 80s in uh, Los Angeles, specifically some of the bands like Faster Pussycat, Guns N' Roses, uh, had a bit of a more uh, gritty edge to it. Uh, if you're a fan of those kind of bands, uh, Hanoi Rocks back catalog is really worth checking out. I remember discovering them, uh, a cover they did of Up Around the Bend on an album called Two Steps from the Move. Uh, was really the first song I had heard, and I think I had gotten that only because I had read something in a Guns N' Roses interview about them so a band very much worth uh, checking out. Michael did a uh, solo album in the 80s called Two Steps from the Move uh, that had a song called uh, Death Jail Rock and Roll. Uh, It was really worth checking out as well and Michael's back now he's got a brand new album called Blackout States it's available in the United States already Uh, the new single is called Old King's Road so we had a chance to sit down on the phone uh, with Michael and talk about the new album. So here's a little taste of Old King's Road from Michael Monroe. Michael Monroe. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm on tour here in, uh, in Italy, in Milan. Yeah, you've got a, a fantastic new record out. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, how, you know, what got you into the studio this time? I know the collection of, of songs on the new record, to me, it seemed very introspective. Um, what what went into the writing of the album? Mm-hmm. Well, we just figured out it was time to write a new album, and we started writing stuff on our own. 
this time we didn't have an opportunity to get to uh, the rehearsal place, you know, and start songs from scratch. So we wrote a bunch of stuff on our own and then kind of just got together at a rehearsal place after a couple of months. And then we figured we had, about, we worked on the songs a bit more and there was like about 18 songs we had. We chose to no, Mike, uh, record. Michael, obviously a musician. Like there was no planning. There was, there was no like a concept planning or stuff like that. You know, it was really just came together as a, there's a lot of creative energy in this band, a lot of great writers, and we, we had a mm-hmm. good time to make it, you know. Sorry, Michael, do you, personally, do you personally do a lot of writing? Uh, I know, obviously, you play the saxophone, harmonica, um, and, and sing. Do you do a lot of, of writing, or do you, do you collaborate with people when you write? I have a collaborator, mainly. Well, I I wrote, you know, Good Old Bad Days, I wrote by myself on this album. And, but I like to call collaborate mostly with uh, especially with Steve Conte and uh, and Rich Jones and, and Sammy you know me and Sammy wrote RLF that song Sammy wrote the music for that and and uh, he had a he had a working title Fuck Shit Up I said okay let's write a song called Fuck Like Fuck It and I wrote the, I wrote the lyrics and the vocal thing and the Bastards Bash, I wrote the music for that, and uh, I had lyrics, I had tons of lyrics for it, like maybe six or seven different titles and lyrics, and then in the studio, I just said to Steve, I said, look, I'm kind of stuck with this one there, but, uh, feel free to help out, and uh, then uh, he came in to uh, help out with the lyrics, and we wrote the lyrics in the studio before I went and sang it, so I came together nicely. So, you know, I think to me, it's not important who writes the song. Main thing is that the song is great. And uh, Steve writes a lot, and uh, Rich writes, writes a lot. And Rich added a lot to the sound of the band and this album. I think uh, he he uh, has a he has a cool approach in writing and stuff. And I think it made it more like a bit more punky and and stuff, you know, in a good in a Clash kind of way, you know, the Clash mm-hmm. and the Boys and the melodic punk. But uh, yeah, yeah, I like I mean, to collaborate because I think working together with people, you always end up with a better result when there's more people involved. You know? Yeah, in particular, one song kind of jumped out at me, the Six Feet in the Ground track. Was that written about someone in particular? Well, uh, it was, yeah, it was like Johnny Thunders. Uh, it was pretty obvious, you know, Steve, was, <clears throat> Steve had the original lyrics were really... I mean, there's a ton of songs, and you know, it's borderline corny when it gets to you know, there's so many songs about Johnny and stuff. But it was, we wanted to make it pretty much, but could be anybody, but but it's really a, a homage, homage to uh, Johnny Thunders. Uh, yeah. That was the original with Johnny Thunders in mind, but uh, it, you know, it also could be any rocker. But yeah, there's clear no, references, uh, and. Uh, yeah, we took some of them out because it was too obvious the first lyric, so we uh, made it yeah. more general. Yeah. Michael, um, when you were coming up, you know, with, with Hanoi Rocks uh, in Finland, um, was the inspiration behind what you guys were doing was it based on more American music, more British music at the time? Like you mentioned, The Clash, for example, and, and you can even hear the Sex Pistols influence in, in the music as well. Were those British bands a little bit more yeah. of, a, of an inspiration for you guys? A lot of them, you know, a lot of them were, yeah. But also American bands were 
But you know, like Mata Hoople and you know, the Faces, the Faces were one, always one of my favorite bands. You know, of course, the Stones. But Aerosmith was always, we were always big on Aerosmith and uh, mm-hmm. New York Dolls, you know, and, and Johnny Thunders, especially Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, that LAMS album. And, uh, that, that kind of punk stuff was a big influence. Uh, we liked all kinds of music, from you know, from Little Richard to the Rolling Stones to the Ramones and mm-hmm. uh, funky stuff too, like The Undisputed Truth, one of my favorite bands. And, uh, a lot of uh, reggae stuff too, blues, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, big influence of uh, 50s rock and roll. And, you know, but English bands were, yeah, the boys, those, and the Ruts, you know, the punk bands, the Damned and the Ruts, they were like one of our, some mm-hmm. of our absolute favorites in the UK subs, and there's a lot of guys, great stuff there, but great stuff in America, too. <clears throat> so, uh, so, you know, the Dolls and the, you know, you sort of the Pistols, and the Ramones were the greatest, one of the greatest ever, I mean, of course, the early ACDC was a big influence on us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the, the one thing that you could always feel with your albums is it really does draw from you know you're you don't not ashamed to draw from punk influences. Where a lot of bands that were in the hard rock era in that time, there was you know a pretty divided line, of you know between punk bands and metal really? bands. It was always it always yeah, 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 that you guys blended it all. We kind of defied all that. Yeah. We now, used to when, fight it and Hanoi Rocks. It kind of, yeah, go ahead. When the bands like Guns N' Roses and Faster Pussycat and some of those bands became big in the United States, did you have to? Did Did you guys make a concerted effort at that time to try to hit the U.S. market a little harder? I mean, obviously the band had kind of, you know, you were starting the tour and stuff no. in the United States, but then, we broke up. We broke. Enough? We broke up before. We broke up before all that started. I mean, we broke up in like '84 when our drummer got killed in a car accident, mm-hmm. and, and and like in the early '85 we broke up. And it was afterwards with all those bands, you know, that researchers of mm-hmm. so-called glam, you know, which I right. really didn't relate to that much because I thought that most of those bands, the haircut bands, they kind of missed the point, you know, because it was all about to us it was all about music and. And playing, and, and you know, of course, you will put on a good show. But the, a lot of these bands are this, you know, there's all about posing and and uh, partying and being, you know, mm-hmm. putting, keeping up that uh, image and uh, playing. You know, like I say, they, they play the hair dry, hair, I mean, hairspray cans better than the instruments. You know, right. and to me, it was um, embarrassing to rock and roll. Some of these bands gave bad, gave a bad name to rock and roll. So, I mean. Sure, you sell millions of records, but that wasn't that great, man. So, yeah. so I think, uh, but like Guns N' Roses were fantastic. You know, I'm so glad they got as big as they did. Cause they had the right attitude. They, just, they got that punk, the punk thing that was missing from all the, from a lot of those those uh, hair metal bands, the punk mm-hmm. attitude and, and 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 you know the real rebellious rock and roll thing, but a really unique style of music too. I mean, they were sound-wise, they were heavy, heavier than the Hanoi Rocks, and they were more like Aerosmith kind of heavy and stuff, but you know, in a cool way. And then they had a lot of parts in something. There's in some other songs that had a lot of parts like in Hanoi, but they had you know a personal kind of style, which is great. And they yeah. they they had that punky attitude, and that was missing, and, and that energy, and you know, 
the sense of danger back with uh, you know with Duffin slashing you know, all those guys in the yeah. band. It was, yeah. But I must say the chemistry in that band <clears throat> was never the same after Stephen Adler left. You know <clears throat> because yeah he was the he wasn't technically as good as uh, Matt Sorum, of course. Matt Sorum is like a you know amazing you know machine and everything. But you know Stephen Adler had that kind of push. The way he played a bit ahead of the ahead of the beat ahead of the beat and he kind of pushed the whole thing. That chemistry, the original chemistry in that band was uh, you know fantastic. Uh, so and it was still great with Matt Sorum, of course. But um, the thing that when you watch the show, you you could you know anything could happen. You know, Doctor Kagan could stage dive or something in the middle of a song. <laughs> it was like wow, you know, there was something something with a sense of danger and uh, and unpredictability, you know. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, it was interesting. Is a you know a youth in that era, I know Guns and Roses really was probably the band to me that brought visibility to Michael Monroe and to Hannah Rocks in America in a lot of ways. You know, because you guys, as you said, had yeah, broken like up. Yeah, and I get them street that. credibility. Yeah, with Axel being on yeah. our video was great for me for visibility and stuff. And but Axel also thought that that was good for his you know street credibility because mm-hmm. I was um, I was being kind of like a cult figure, you know, and respected in, in many in most circles I just say, you know, like uh I'm not yeah. just anyone, you know. Humbly. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying that humbly but, but you know not every guy can be on that Michael Monroe's video either. You know, I wouldn't let any just anybody be on my video either. You know, so even yeah. so he was a big name, so he was happy to give the exposure to me and uh, we became we were good very good friends back then, you know. And uh, he's a really yeah. cool guy and the main thing was he was a nice guy. That's why I liked him. That's why I asked if he wanted to be on the video, because uh, he was mm-hmm. a nice guy. I really yeah, always man. had a good good uh, time with Axel. He was always really sweet with me, and he never never did anything bad. Always respectful and a uh, gentleman, you know. He was always on time. Mm-hmm. From uh, I mean, when we went out to dinner when he came to New York, you know, always on time. So uh, nothing but good things to say about him, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, I mean, you you can still hear, I, I know just yesterday uh, on the radio, I was flipping through and heard Dead Jail and Rock and Roll on the radio, and a lot of us, that might be, I mean, maybe I'm wrong commercially, but that might be your biggest single in the United States, you know, even more so than, than uh, the Hannah R. Rocks catalog. So it, it certainly was a, a, oh, yeah. a good time. I think, you know, yeah, I, I think that's more well-known, which is fine, which is good. It's, yeah, that's a... I am. We, we finish with that every night, every show. You know, it's like a. It's become like mm-hmm. a classic. Uh, I mean, you know, I wouldn't. I, it wouldn't be a Michael Monroe show without playing Dead or Rock and Roll. And Absolutely. it's really, it's a, it's a big anthem. And uh, I think that's, um, that might be the biggest song. You might be right. I mean, Man with the Lights was the second single back then with that album. And that was in you know medium rotation or major. I mean, like daily rotation, not only in Headbangers Ball, but. Yeah, you know, rock and roll is a, mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 a good it's a good song to be known by. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's better than being known. You know, as you mentioned, with a lot of the haircut bands that are known now for for some sappy ballad uh, that you know they probably can't stand yeah. playing. You know, you're known for a song that really yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's got to be a fun one to play. And that's the other that's thing. Good. Yeah, and I should, you know. One thing is really funny. Sometimes I uh, hear some bands complain about how oh we have to play this hit song that we we have to now we have to play it every night. You have to mm-hmm. be freaking lucky and happy that you have a have a have yeah. a damn hit, you know. 
uh, have that song and you know the whole career. Some of these bands have one song that the whole career based on. You know, yeah. so then you should be happy and not, you should never complain about having to play your, you know, big hit song. Because, you know, people want to hear yeah. you're going to give people what they want. That's what we do. Yeah, be happy. You're not sweeping the sweeping the floor after the show. You know, that's, take the hit and take the money, yeah, pay exactly. the mortgage and the, and the alimony. And, and yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, Michael, you go. you're going to be you're going to be doing some shows in the United States. Uh, I saw later on, uh, I believe in the in the new year. Um, do you have yeah. plans to do any more extensive touring in the states, um, or is that still kind of up in the air for for 2016? Well, I think it's been up in the air for a while now, and uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of a matter of it's a matter of uh, being able to invest in it because you know it's a, it's really expensive to tour, and you know the budgets are minimal. There's nothing. In my situation, in this band situation right now, it's like it's, everyone lives all over the world, and it's, it's not sure. cheap to move us around. And so, uh, you know, we need we need help in that sense. That you know, uh, we we used we, I mean, America is such a big big space, big area, big space. So we yeah. kind of it's not like we've given up on it, but it's not like we're we're not really holding our breaths either, thinking that okay, we're gonna make it in America bigger than whatever. Than we are, but of course we do the best we can. But uh, you know, it's just the financial situation it's, uh, doesn't yeah. allow us to tour as much as we would love to. I mean, if, if I had no. the money, I, I would, I would definitely tour. You got to tour there for. Well, my dream would be be on a big tour for a year for with uh, Foo Fighters and uh, Slash and Foo Fighters and us. That would be a great bill. That, that would work. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I want to always dream. But yeah, uh, in America, you know, it's, uh, you need the big exposure there. You need to play in big places and we have more visibility. It really, you know, would mm-hmm. be great, you know. But uh, doing the best we can. We do that that uh, cruise in, um, for, that leaves in Miami, that metal, whatever. I forgot what it was. Yeah, the, metal the hammer. Monsters uh, of Rock God. cruise, yeah. Monsters yeah. of Rock. Some, yeah, yeah, right. So uh, some some gigs around that is good to do. And that's I think that's basically what we're doing now. Things around the same time. We're going to be in that part of the world. So, uh, but right. I'd love to, you know, play in America much as possible. I mean, even Slash says it's kind of hard there with rock and roll nowadays. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's mainly country and hip hop. Is that what's ruling there? Yeah, the, the cost. Like I mean, it, you're not alone. I mean, there are there are bands that are, you know, obviously from the United States that spend the majority of their time touring in the UK or in in you know the Eastern countries. Because of the cost, and you're yeah. absolutely right. You know, it's, it's expensive, but I guess you know, the best way we can support you get out by the new album, Blackout States. Um, it's available, I'm sure, on Amazon and iTunes and all that good stuff. And uh, Michael, I want to thank you. It's yes. been an absolute ple- pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you for staying here, man. It's good talking to you. Thank you. All, all right.
All right, a big thanks to Michael Monroe for, for visiting with us on the show. Michael's going to be doing some dates in late November and early December in Finland. So if you're on that side of the ocean, that would be worth checking out. For those of us stateside, he'll be here in February doing shows at Las Vegas, uh, the Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood, San Jose, New York, Asbury Park, and then down in Florida at the end of the month for the Monsters of Rock Cruise. You can get all the dates at michaelmonroe.com. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks, or facebook.com forward city rocks, Iron City Rocks. Uh, also on Instagram as well, Iron City Rocks, surprisingly. Uh, don't forget, uh, Iron City Rocks will be presenting King Diamond when he returns to Pittsburgh on the 23rd of November. So if you're in the Pittsburgh market, uh, make sure you get out to see that. Also, the night before, if you're really into the heavy stuff, Mayhem and Watain will be doing a show at Mr. Small's the night before. So uh, between Mayhem, Watain, um, and uh, King Diamond, I think you're going to get your fill of, of the darker stuff. So check that out. And you can find all kind of dates for uh, shows in Pittsburgh at ironcityrocks.com. We keep that calendar pretty up to date. You can get in touch with us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love hearing from you all. So until next time, take care.